0: everybody, welcome to episode number 24. Today we've got Eric Bach joining us. So um, Eric's a fitness writer, he's a personal trainer, he's an online coach, he's a fitness business coach, and a whole bunch more stuff. And we talk about a lot of really good fitness nutrition information, gets into a whole lot about fitness writing, and gets into some of the business of his business coaching. So stick around and enjoy.
1: Shut up and sit down.
0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Fitness Devil Podcast. It's Andrew Coates. Dean Guido's here with me, but uh, we're not important. Who's important is our guest today. We've got uh, managed to sneak in Eric Bach's busy schedule, get him to appear. Eric's the owner of Bach Performance, and he's an online coach, fitness business coach. He's a prof- prolific fitness writer for uh, places like T Nation and others. And uh, Eric, what did I miss off that list?
2: Man, I think you got pretty much all of it. Um, you know, I do drink copious amounts of coffee, so that's important to add. That kind of fuels the machine. Yeah. Um, that's about it, man. You guys nailed it. Good.
1: I'm glad you mentioned coffee because, like, now we can be friends. Andrew, <laughs> exactly, are you a coffee drinker, Andrew?
0: Absolutely. Okay, good. I started late in life on the coffee, but uh, I found coffee and scotch roughly about the same <laughs> time, and it, uh, it had been life changers.
1: Not together. No. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Never together. Okay,
0: okay. I haven't tried that yet. anyway. It sounds terrible. Uh, so let's get right to the good stuff. And uh, I, you, you probably answer this one a fair bit, but uh, you know, how did you get started in the fitness business?
2: Yeah, for me, you know, kind of going back to my story is, you know, I was lucky to grow up with, um, you know, with an active family, so always kind of seeing people lead by example, uh, and then growing up playing sports unfortunately i was one of the last kids to grow so you know i had uh you know been working out doing stuff and even, even into middle school in terms of being in the gym uh, but around came out uh, you know into high school and everyone else was growing and i happened to be like the smallest guy in my class and i vividly remember when i was a, a sophomore in high school i was five foot two 103 pounds at one point <laughs> and running down the football field and uh, there's another guy with a ball bigger guy in my class and I was kind of the last guy between he and the end zone. And uh, he had two options. He could either outrun me to the end zone, which he easily could have done. He had the angle. Or he could just, you know, put his shoulder down and run through me. And he chose to uh, to run through me, uh, kind of laughing, taunting his way to the end zone. And for me, that was that was really a turning point because, you know, I never felt completely, like, so embarrassed, like, just completely helpless at any point in my life. And at that point I was like, Oh my God, I've got to do something. Like something has to change. Like either it's like, here's that fork on the road. I can either just kind of throw in the towel or I can, really change what i'm doing and try to figure this thing out and uh later that day one of my coaches grabbed me aside and he uh you pulled me up to the weight room after uh, after practice and we just started working on some different things you know before i kind of pulled stuff out of magazines done that whole deal you know i'd see my dad like my dad was always into martial arts so i saw some of the stuff he was doing so i'd do some push-ups and whatnot um, but my coach got me involved into olympic lifting so we started working on some clean progressions some of that stuff and really nailed down the basics in terms of you know basic movement patterns and uh that really gave me a spot to grow and focus on the things that truly mattered. One thing led to another, my body and, and natural maturation caught up uh, to my work ethic and kind of that fire from feeling slighted and feeling like I wasn't good enough to, you know, really had me dial in and go all in on every aspect of training. Um, so that was really the, the impetus that got the ball rolling for me. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I grew and became a pretty good athlete uh, injuries knocked me out, um, you know, when I was a freshman in college and I jumped right into the weight room and started seeing what I could do with different, uh, with different team sports and trying to get involved with stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, you know, the rest has kind of been history. I just uh, got an early start and kind of used that, that burning passion desire after, you know, quite, quite honestly feeling weak and pathetic and using that fire to push me on and just fell in love with the whole process. And, uh, and here we are now, you know, 15 years later, 16 years later, um, Somewhere I, where I never thought I'd be back in the day. You know what I mean? It, it's so, crazy where that evolution begins.
1: Essentially, a truck stick kind of f- fueled you. Dude, one hundred
2: percent. That's exactly. Funny. I'm s- displayed out on my back. It's, it's funny. <laughs> I, I,
1: I played college football, and like, I, I don't have that same story. But like, there was this one time I went for the legs, and I don't normally go for the legs that much, and I got stiff arm, like totally unexpected, and like it felt horrible. <laughs> like oh, it's, it's like it's yeah. like getting crushed by a squat like if you've ever failed a squat it's horrible like if you just get crushed and dominated so i'm i'm not glad that happened but it's kind of cool but that that's what started everything
0: well i mean think about how far reaching your career has been because you're really uh, <clears throat> hitting a, a lot of success uh, more and more all the time it's not sudden you've been working a long time at it but the number of lives you're changing and influencing simply because uh, some asshole ran you over in a football game uh you know maybe it was have you messaged uh, fate them? and destiny you're
1: like listen man you started this
2: <laughs> i have not messaged him directly uh he probably won't even remember at this point but you know what um it was, was kind of funny just cuz uh you know, you, you kind of see where things are at that point, and you know there's always a hierarchy, oh, yeah. and uh, then you kind of see where people are later on, and uh, and kind of look back like hmm, this was uh, some interesting fuel in and in a turning of the table, so to speak. It, it's um, you know, <laughs> based on how life progresses,
1: we had this weirdly enough, like this isn't like a joke, but one of our clients, we were talking last night like nine, and we had two clients in, and we started talking about like who is your arch nemesis in high school. So it's like the same thing, and like everyone knew their person, and it's just it's just kind of funny because everyone kept tabs on each other like everyone knows like we know where they're at it's just kind of funny to see where people are at and that's your, oh, dude, that's your yeah. arch nemesis <laughs> dude and, i mean come on there's always going to be a little bit of dick measuring back and forth oh, Let's yeah. be real here <laughs> it was just funny how quick it came is like like i knew exactly the name i was going to say i didn't even have to think about it i was like fuck i i held on to this for way too long and yeah he probably exactly. doesn't give a shit exactly. i right? yeah. have any knowledge of it either no so. it probably has no fucking <laughs> clue especially in that situation So let's kind of pivot here. Uh, You've been featured on a number of lists, kind of the who's who to follow in the fitness industry, especially this year. More or less, you've had a lot of success at a young age. What are kind of the core principles you would attribute this success, especially being so early in your career? Yeah, honestly,
2: in terms of, you know, my focus is very simple in terms of my approach Um, I still focus on a bunch of major movement patterns. It doesn't mean that I don't know the other things. It's, it's what is going to help my clients get the best results. And far too often people end up looking for the next magic gimmick and you know, whatever is hot in terms of diet, whatever's hot in terms of training and end up missing out on the basic core principles that they need. And as it comes to, you know, as it comes to nutrition, you know, the number one thing is going to be the quality of the food dish eating and a caloric balance. Now the other things do matter, but until you have those really nailed in, those aren't nearly as important. When it comes to training, well, you need your compound lifts, you need progressive overload, you need mechanical tension. If those are not taken care of, it doesn't matter what type of hypertrophy routine you follow if you don't have those basic components, you know, as well as having a good solid movement foundation. And then enveloped with all that is going to be the consistency to continue finding a, a routine in terms of your diet and in terms of your training that you can do consistently and that you will do really without, you know, missing workouts, without missing a diet. And You know, when you're able to tie those things in, in in the most deliverable way, keeping it simple is, is a message that's really gotten through to, uh, to my clients. Um, like I said, there's, there's really no perfect routine or no perfect diet, but the best routine, the best diet is one that you will do consistently and do for entire training cycles or dietary cycles. So I look for that, try to find something that's going to fit each one of my clients and then notice what the trends are with, you know, with what's working with my clients in the gym and online and, and share the information out with everybody else in terms of getting the information out, you know, and, and growing my business, it's been just consistency, man. It's like, I've, I've just written one to two articles a week nonstop for like, I don't know, eight years. And <laughs> eventually all that stuff just pays off. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's just time in the trenches and time putting in the work. As long as you stay consistent with it, it's going to pay off. You know, you just got to do the work. There's so many people now with
0: this uh, Gary Vaynerchuk sort of mindset of, uh, you know, and I guess Gary's not all about like overnight success or whatever, but I think a lot of people are listening to guys like him and they're missing the message of grinding and they're more so about trying to unlock the secret to instantaneous and overnight success. And that's just a myth. Sorry. That doesn't really exist. And like all the literature I'm getting into and all the people that I talk to in our industry who have done really, really well, this is based on consistent, hard work, grit, dedication, discipline, and none of this stuff happens fast.
1: And I was going to say, yeah. did you find over time, so like we, we can call this a habit of writing, but like at this point, is writing easy for you? <laughs> It is now,
2: you know, it's, um, <laughs> I used to just stare at the screen and just hope some like form yeah. of inspiration would come on. And it's like, you know what? I just made it a habit to do the first thing I would do each and every single morning. Cause it was the one thing that would help me get my information out there and help me help more people. Yeah. Um, you know, on, on a personal level, in terms of writing, what it really helped me do is also clarify thought. So I was always reading and researching and trying to put things together. And then how can I apply the science into application and helping my clients, and for me, it's like writing is a way for me to organize it in my brain, get it out and see how I can actually sequence it together. So um, in terms of trying to gather information that, you know, that I was really learning about and researching and then trying to find out how it can apply. Um, it took a while to get into that habit and making sure that my brain can function that way. But then once you build that skill, you can, you know, it becomes much easier to share that information and, uh, and see how it works.
1: Well, I'm glad you and kind it. of pointed that out. Just because we have, like, we do have a lot of young trainers listening to us as well as fitness enthusiasts. But that whole idea of building a habit, but you can stone two birds at once, essentially, because you can you can read and get the content, and then as you're putting it out, you can tailor what you want to learn to the content you're putting out. You can basically get better while putting out content. It's kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, you know, it's um, a couple key points that you guys have mentioned, like just in the last couple minutes, you mentioned like the Gary Vaynerchuk and the hustle aspect of it. And, um, you know, before the show, we were, we were talking about you know my recent trip to Austin. I was there for a, for a mastermind with, with John Romanello and then, uh, then the event at on Academy with, uh, with Dr. John Russin. And, um, one thing that John Romanello mentioned during the mastermind was everyone who has a successful business needs to go through what we call the noble grind period. And, and he mentioned, you know, long days in the gym where he was closing the gym at nine, then going home to write until the sun almost came up and getting three to four hours per sleep uh, per hours of sleep per night. Now. That's a, that's a pretty aggressive example, but, you know, fairly, pretty much everybody I know that's had a successful business in the fitness industry has some, has had some sort of grind period like that. You know, for me, it was at one point, uh, you know, John Goodman was one of my first coaches way back in the day in terms of building my business. And he said, if you want to be a good writer, treat writing like it's your professional job for the next six months. And that's what I did. I was in a a transition process to a new gym. So I didn't have a full client load and I just spent a lot of time writing and building that habit. And once my client load got heavy, you know, I, I mean, I still had to write and create content. So I was getting up at three in the morning to do that before training clients at five. So it's a matter of putting those pieces in. And uh, it's amazing how many of those same principles really transfer over to the gym because, you know, people get hot to trot, especially, you know, in January and want to want to make that long term change. And I'm all about, you know, finding sustainability and finding a long term practice because, you know, that, that's a big part of my message. I want people to be able to enjoy, enjoy their lives, but also get in great shape. But there has to be that same grind period if you're trying to make a sig- significant change in your body. It means you have to go all into on that diet for you know for a few months to really build those habits and to get things rolling. Before you take those cheats, before you really relax, and once you get to that certain level of fitness, then you can start to add those things back in. But you know the grind is an essential component, and only once you've you know done that grind and reached that takeoff velocity, can you coast for a little bit and be able to play with the variables to maintain.
0: I think you actually just did a really good job of answering the next question. So maybe we could add to it. So uh, it goes to how much information about fitness and nutrition that's actually out in the online space and in our worlds. Yet, I find your message actually is one of the most direct and useful and honest messages. Uh, How do you make those unsexy basics and truths stand out amid a lot of the gimmicky fitness marketing that we see?
2: Yeah, you know… I think the biggest thing is explaining thoroughly why, um, why these things matter. It's one thing to make a statement, say all you need to do is like squat, bench and deadlift. Um, it's another to say you need to work on a squat, bench and deadlift pattern. Here's why, you know, it may not necessarily have to be the, you know, classic exercises that we think of, but having a why between what you're explaining and giving some information and trying to educate people instead of being, you know, just aggressive on, on your messaging and then saying you're wrong is, isn't the right way to go about it. Um, you know, for me, it's like, if I want people to understand why I'm saying something, I'm going to take the time to actually answer it. And that's why, you know, for example, on Instagram, I'm going through, I'm a- i answer all my DMS, all my, all my comments and all that stuff because I want people to understand, you know, it's like you can be edgy and you can try to make a point, but you know, take the time and explain it to people, how these things actually work and you know, just find a way to make it so it reaches home for people. And, uh, and, and for me, I find that, you know, it's like, for example, if we're talking about a body part split, someone trying to get started in a gym, the body part split can be a perfectly fine training split. You know, there's nothing wrong with it at all. But if people are missing workouts and then they're not hitting their, they're not end up doing any, uh, any squats, any lower body training, then there's going to be an issue. So how can we explain in a way that maybe they need to migrate to a more simpler routine so they make sure that they hit all their bas- basic movement patterns? that's what we're trying to do. So it just comes down to, to breaking it down and explaining why this is important and then locking in the habits to make sure that people can build consistency and then educating people along the way. If you take people on that journey and showing them why things matter, educate them along the way, you're going to make them more self-sufficient. When people are self-sufficient and learn from you, that's when they grow to like you and trust your brand.
1: Well, I think that goes back to the point that, not that people assume, but a lot of new people assume that They know the information like we do. They, they, that they went through the same path and the same vigorous consumption of information. And, and that's not true. And, and putting it in words that they won't understand is not going to help anyone. And that's essentially what you're doing is you're not dumbing it down, but you're putting it in a language that they're going to listen to and then adhere to, which is huge.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, um, if you simply take, you know, In terms of running, one of the biggest issues that a lot of coaches run into when they really try to get into, you know, the publishing and getting a bigger social media following is, is their messaging is focused on talking to another coach. So they talk, you know, well above what most people understand in terms of, in terms of exercise and fitness, you know, it's, um, it's losing adipose tissue, not losing belly fat, which I get from a, like an intellectual perspective. But until people know that you care and can speak their language, they really don't care what you have to offer. So instead of having your messaging be focused directly to other trainers, think about the way that, you know, the people you want to help, how do they talk, how do they conversate? Cool. Meet them there and then lead them to a higher level of of, um, of knowledge and then bring them along the way. This actually
0: hits on something that I've said a lot too. I, we mentor a it sort of casually or very directly, a lot of trainers in the city at the very least. And a lot of times you get people trying to write to impress their peers or to write to impress someone like yourself or a, you know, we use Dean Somerset as a good example. He's a local guy that everybody like looks up to what he's writing and doing, but they're missing the ability to connect with the end user who doesn't speak that same language. And, you know, writing to try to impress Dean. Dean's not going to be impressed by that because Dean gets it. Dean wants to see people write to reach the end user who doesn't have all that knowledge. So I think a lot of people do that wrong.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's something we see all the time. I see it, you know, in in guest submissions that we get at Bach performance and, you know, most of the, uh, the personal trainers and fitness professionals that that end up working with in my mentorship business. And it's, it's not necessarily, I think in the beginning, it's just not knowing, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I did the same thing. I was, you know, I was trying to write the most impressive thing that I could. Um, I was trying to get published and and do different research things and then um, sound as academic as possible as if I had something to prove. But the best way to show that, you know, that you belong is to get people results and then help people along the way. Uh, understand the message that you're trying to get through. There really are no points um you know for making things more complicated than they need to be. Now it doesn't mean that you can't every now and then, you know, throw in some big terms and explain post-activation potentiation, but explain but why like post-activation potentiation works. So if you can just take maybe an advanced topic that you're talking about and say which means blah, 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 in a way that people can understand it, you're going to do a much better job of of reaching your audience. So it allows you to, you know, to kind of please your ego a little bit and and show people that you're smart, but it also makes sure that you're able to reach that ideal client that you want to be able to help. And when you can provide the value to help people, like I said, that's when they trust your business and that's when you become the person that they go to.
1: It seems like a good infographic. Idea.
2: <laughs> I was like I was like listen
1: yeah. to this I'm like that's pretty much the whole point of infographics and then I'm like post-tension right
0: now. every episode I, becomes about infographics you can literally we're just kill, put, put, put like a term
1: today. on that like yeah like everyone's like what the fuck is that and then in the content tell them the, the Coles notes it's I
2: was uh, I was writing one earlier today, so on, uh, on pap to be honest. So. Meanwhile, my mind.
0: Meanwhile, the one the dean just put up as an image of a uh, person with a rounded back I'm and a tra- shitting dog. So. I'm trying
1: things. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of those things though. It's just like you got to meet people where they're at, and sometimes it's just a matter of seeing what catches on. But like at the end of the day, it's the content that matters, and sometimes you have to draw them in. So like going to the whole science route will kind of garner a few people but generally people want general information because it's not it's not that they're ignorant it's just that they don't know well that stuff's gonna work for greg Dunkles and Brad yeah, Schoenfeld,
0: it's, but uh you know yeah. so
1: i uh, every
2: now and then i'll like i'll, I'll grab on like a men's health men's fitness and see just kind of like the the content that they're talking about because you know us trainers kind of laugh at like the workouts that we see in some of those yeah. magazines and then realize like hey i would love to actually be featured in one of these magazines yeah. that'd be pretty cool <laughs> um <laughs> that's like the ironic part of it um I saw a, a poll in a recent one. I can't remember which magazine exactly, but it was like what percentage of guys actually know what corrective exercise means, and that's a term that we all take for granted, right? Yeah. And it was like 38% with a fairly educated audience of like men's health or men's fitness readers. So I'm like, eh, you take a term like that even, and people are like, well, what the hell do you actually mean? Yeah. And like, you know, that just kind of set me back and uh, in trying to think of, you know, maybe a little it's crazy how much knowledge there is in the fitness industry and how many smart people and well-intentioned people there are. I mean, that uh, poorly-intentioned people as well. But um, just the fact that every single statistic that looks at our overall health is painting a pretty grim picture right now. And uh, it just shows that we are not able to reach people as best that we could be. So I think the answer to that is simplifying the message where people truly understand it.
1: Well, and that's just with corrective exercise, even in my approach with people in person is that you don't tell them they're doing corrective exercise because if you try to go down that road, they, they feel like you're a physio or they're getting rehab and stuff and like really you're just fixing them. It's like Jedi mind tricks and that's the same thing you got to do, I guess, with the content is kind of get them to understand the problem, but get it in a way that they're going to understand that hey, it's not a scientific term, like you're just getting better. Right. yeah
2: exactly exactly and, and you know sometimes you throw up a term like that and people start labeling themselves yep. like oh corrective that means yep. something's wrong yep. or broken with me and then it sets that whole victim uh victim mentality Absolutely. that you gotta unwind so yeah you gotta be definitely careful with with the way that you approach those different things and, like i said it's one thing to understand like the trainer perspective the science perspective perspective but the the application yep. is a whole another animal when you deal with this uh this complex human being thing that we all are
1: it'd be it's funny that you talked about like complexity and like i guess we're gonna say that men's health the workout was probably pretty simplistic but if you got asked to write a workout for them it'd be interesting to see what you would have to kind of filter through because they might look <laughs> at one of your workouts and be like yeah we're gonna have to dumb that down a little bit
0: well it becomes yeah, writing like, for uh, yeah no, go ahead eric you first oh, sorry okay. what was that no you go ahead first i interrupted you
2: Oh, sorry. I, I didn't. I didn't quite. I didn't quite catch what you're saying before. Okay. All right. Well, I'll throw it in. I actually
0: said that I had interrupted you, so I was going to let you go. But uh, I'll, I'll just quickly say what I was going to say. You write for T Nation and you write for your own website, and it becomes writing in the theme of the particular thing you're writing for. So, if someone's writing for Men's Health versus T Nation, those are going to take on two different forms anyway. And I think in order to be able to write successfully for both you have to write to their readers and you have to write to their style versus always being maybe true to exactly what you want to do. So how do you navigate that?
2: Yeah. Uh, You know, it's um, anytime I create something and this, this really applies to business in general. Like anytime we're talking about like, you know, maybe a series of emails that are going out, a Facebook post to an article for teen nation to an article from like ask men or men's health. My perspective is like, who is the one person I'm trying to talk to? And I mean, Andrew, you and I, like we, you know, we've sat down and drink scotch and my, like my writing style is like, I hope that, you know, we're sitting down, we're having a drink and we're just talking shop. And, and that's, that's exactly how I try to approach it. So if I'm talking to a, to a reader of, of men's health, maybe it's a 38 year old guy with, um, a, you know, maybe he worked out in high school and has sporadically done stuff since then is, you know, tired as, you know, two kids and works 60 hours a week. Well, how would I talk to that person? And imagine we're just having a ca- casual conversation, one or two drinks and a, at a bar. That's exactly how I'd approach it. T Nation, a little bit different animal. Um, that's a fairly aggressive uh, aggressive audience. <laughs> 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 and um, you got to tailor it towards it. And you got to be a little bit more punchy and, and direct and call the reader out a little bit. And um Yeah. You know, it just comes down to whenever you're trying to write for a publication, if that's, if that's the goal is knowing who is that ideal client that, that is going to be reading that, uh, that information. And just imagine you're having a conversation with them. And when you do that, when you focus on talking in a language that people are going to understand, they're going to understand that, that you care and you can be somebody who's going to solve their problems and they'll continue reading your content. They're not going to turn it off and say, you know, this guy's just trying to show me how smart he is. Uh, it kind of goes back to the old quote is nobody cares you know, how much you know until they know how much you care and your language and your words can, can really go a long way in terms of that. Um, when it comes to creating content.
1: Well, and let's even go a little bit further down, like in terms of writing valuable content, but what are your thoughts on like even professionals and just use fitness professionals looking to write more and to improve their writing? What kind of tips, I guess, or kind of knowledge would you embark on them in terms of trying to improve their actual writing?
2: Yeah. Well, the first, the, the biggest issue that most, uh, you know, most trainers will come to me with is like, I don't know what to write about for starters. Think of the conversations that you have with your clients and just keep a notepad on your phone. Just be like, Hey, Sally asked about, you know, why does my knee hurt when she does a lunge? Okay. Maybe I could attach something that, that goes into, um, you know, better biomechanics on a squat and dumb it down. So Sally would understand it. That could be a writing topic, but just keeping tabs of all the ideas and all the questions that you get. Um, you know, whether, think about, you know, different questions people ask, maybe you're at a party and uh, I'm I'm not sure about you guys, but I can't even go out to eat with anybody without fitness questions coming up, which is great, great for write-offs. But like, these are serious questions that people have. And if you can provide the solutions to the problems, that's going to be a great way for you to have a never ending list of content, um, as it pertains to actually writing itself. One you should probably be reading because that itself just makes you a a much better writer, but make writing really the first thing that you do each day. Um, some people write better late, I guess some people write better early, but in my experience, when something is important and it's a new skill, the faster you can attack it early in the day, the better before, all of life's other inconveniences come up and you have every reason to throw in a towel and say, fuck it. Um, so for me, like when I was trying to get better as a writer, like I said, I didn't want to get up at three in the morning, but I got up at three in the morning before I had to train clients because that's the only time I know I would do it for sure. And when you do it with a distraction-free time, when it's pretty early like that, well, yeah, you drink coffee, but... Um, you can really get some pretty good shit done in a pretty short amount of time because there are no other distractions around you. So find distraction-free time, ideally first thing in the day before other things can get in the way, and just make it a habit.
1: When I think at this point, and just a note on that, I think, I can't remember where I read it, but it was that creativity is generally higher right as you wake up. So that might be a good way to, and I'm sure it comes in flows and ebbs depending on your day, but that would make sense completely. Plus the distraction-free zone, at. It, maybe not three in the morning, but even like five, like there's a lot less distractions at that point Work hasn't started for most people. So Um, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's kind of turn to like our enthusiasts or like people who are reading this stuff and being a writer yourself and going for a bunch of publications, what are some things that they can do to filter what they're seeing? Basically how do they navigate what's quality and what isn't in an, in a world where there's a lot of it? Oh, man. <laughs> Coming from a guy who's writing at these places, so it, it ends up being valuable because the you answer, actually write for a lot The
0: answer is read what Eric Bach writes.
1: Other than read what <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: You know, for starters, I would look at... Um, when you look at the beginning of the, of the articles in the lead, like what is, what is going to be delivered? Good writing now, I mean, everyone's got a different writing style, of course, but you should know pretty quickly what you're getting yourself into in terms of what you're going to have as a benefit for this, for this article. Is it just going off about research studies in the first paragraph, or is it actually saying, Hey, in this article, I'm going to teach you how to do this, this, and this follow along. And then we're on the way. Um, as it comes to, to reading and consuming information, you know, it's, it's, it's no good to consume information if you do not take action behind it. So I would say, look at, for one specific problem that you are trying to solve and maybe go an inch wide and a mile deep on that topic for a couple of weeks and truly learn to understand it. Um, I would say looking at, at at some research, if that is your thing, um, in terms of nutrition stuff, you know, the Alan Aragon research review is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, Brett Contreras has a fantastic research review when it comes to the training aspect of it, um, if, if you're looking to go that route. Otherwise, you know, try to see what... Um, what authors really resonate with what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, basically if if there's somebody who, you know, kind of fits the ideal of what you want to accomplish. One, one great example is, is Brian Cron, who works with, um, you know, guys generally thirties to 45 and does an absolutely fantastic job of integrating lifestyle advice into sage training advice. You know, he's a guy with, with, with decades under his belt in terms of the gym, but also understands the context of how to, you know, how to build muscle and really apply it to a, to a a solid population. So I would say for starters, really look for, for an author that's going to resonate with you and their messaging. Um, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And if you're interested in the research aspect, I would say, you know, do a little bit of background information on maybe the methods that are being talked about and, and see if they actually make sense to apply your training. And I know that's somewhat advanced, but, um, you know, it is important to form your own opinions because although a dogmatic approach and pushing a hard line in any given any given avenue, whether it's training, whether it's nutrition, is popular and it does drive clicks. And unfortunately, driving clicks is important in terms of uh, creating content and fitness. Um, you know, you have to see both sides of the coin. What works perfectly in the lab will not often work. In a training environment and what works in a training environment can't be vindicated by what happens in a lab. So you do need a good good blend of science and practice and how to understand how these could fit maybe into the bigger picture in terms of what you're capable of doing as a person.
1: Well, I think even that whole message of being skeptical, like I think a lot of people just assume the best, which is fine but there's a lot of shit information out there and asking those questions or doing a little bit more research because you can kind of rely on people like us to put out good information. But again, you have to be responsible for yourself and your own learning journey. And that comes with being skeptical because if you don't ask those questions, how are you supposed to kind of have your own filter and create your own kind of path? And that's exactly what you're talking about. So that's good.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, know, part of that journey is you know, I've I've seen some different articles of people doing call outs of, uh, you know, don't follow these people or this person and and cleanses are bad. And I totally get that perspective. But then I also like remember back to when I was first consuming fitness information was like, I was trying to follow like every bodybuilder's like workout and stuff like that. not knowing that there's going to be a pretty significant difference between someone who's been training for 30 years (laughs) and has a a pretty solid, you know, pharmaceutical regimen and, uh, and like 14 year old Eric. Um, but the thing is, you know, good writing can hook you in regardless of whether the information is good and that can lead you down a path that's going to allow you to to form your own opinions and your own education. But yeah, having that critical perspective and being able to disseminate, you know, how different information applies to different people is really important.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, I wanted to also ask you about something else that we mentioned at the very beginning and it's about your business coaching. So obviously there's a ton of coaching in the fitness industry, clients are hiring coaches. Uh, coaches hire their own trainers to take care of them because they're busy with their needs and now there we're seeing coaches hiring business development coaches so that's a big part of your work <clears throat> in addition to all your fitness work could you explain the value of having such a coach and what you do uh, yourself in your business with it and why you decided to start working as a, a professional business coach
2: yeah. So, you know, as it applies to coaching, the number one thing that, it, that, that it provides, and this is regardless of whether they're talking, you know, business, we're talking fitness is it gives you accountability and implementation. Yeah. Um, as it comes to, to my business and I'll circle back over to this, um, you know, as it comes to me, long story short, um, Andrew, I'm not sure if, uh, if we talked about this story in the past, but, uh, a few years ago, when I was uh, when I was working in Denver, I had a fraudulent accountant who stole fifty thousand dollars from my business. Oh, and this was uh, when I was at a new gym, and, and you know, I had I had still had a solid clientele, good online business, but had more or less took in, um, you know, taken my money that was supposed to go to the IRS and pocketed it into an offshore account. He's now in prison. Money's all good now, but um, long <laughs> story short, I had to pay that money back plus interest plus penalties, and was out that fifty grand. So I was in a position where I need to completely revolutionize the way that I did my business. I knew the classic trading dollars for hours method was not sustainable if I was going to be able to continue to build my business the way that I wanted. So I had to go back to the drawing board. I'm like, you know, what can I do with my business, with my skill set that's going to allow me to, to make more money, help more clients, and do so in an ethical way without, you know, slaying in some multi-level marketing supplement, right? Um, mm-hmm. So. So what I did was, uh, you know, what we call the hybrid model and the hybrid model was instead of taking clients in just a session by session type path, I would, you know, bring clients in for maybe we'd focus on maybe a 12 week block. And what we do is it would be a set price point and it would be very high touch in the beginning. So maybe the first month clients are coming in a couple days per week but they're also getting workouts on the side from me, so they're continuing to learn what to do and becoming more self-sufficient. The second month, a little bit less hands-on with me. They have a pretty good idea of what they should be doing. They have self-guided workouts, via uh, an application that we use, and in nutrition planning, we're still checking in, still having a lot of conversation. The third and final month. Well, then we dial things back a little bit. We have fewer sessions in the gym. More of the workload is pushed onto them. Make sure that they're getting done. As a coach, you're still applying guidance. You're still applying the accountability that they need. And then at the end, if you know if they want to continue training in person, great. Here's the typical package. If not, hey, here's this online training thing. You know, you've learned how to train safely and effectively. You're still in the area. You can come back and check in. And uh, and yeah, this really just allowed me to scale work with a lot of clients. And allowed me to build up my online business to a greater extent and, uh, and continue to grow from there. You know, not long after this happened, I was getting just a lot of reach outs and questions from other coaches and other trainers. Um, I did some different speaking engagements on the topic and, uh, and coaches started asking me for, you know, for coaching and advice. And I'm like, you know what? Well, sure. I'll start, you know, giving you guys some guidance and advice on how exactly you know, I built this up and, uh, and that's kind of how it, that's how it came. You know, it wasn't anything that I'd planned, you know, five years ago it was just a kind of a natural evolution of, you know, I was found a way to make this thing that worked and people wanted to find out how this thing worked, So I started helping people make this thing work for them. And, um, and, and that's kind of how the business was born. And, um, yeah, like I said, that that's really how the business really took off in the beginning. And, and now it's now it's starting to scale up from there. Um, in terms of like our messaging and and really what we help our clients with is, you know, we've all taken courses, you know, on different topics and you know, I've worked through courses. I've worked with coaches personally on the business aspect. And, uh, and for me, it was always better to have somebody there who was there and pushing me in sports. I always wanted to be coached hard. You don't have to sugarcoat anything for me. If I'm not getting the job done, you know, get on my ass and tell me to pick it up. And in terms of, in terms of business coaching, You know, it's really easy for trainers to get into this industry because they love the fitness aspect and they want to help people. And for that reason, a lot of times coaches forget that they are running a business and they start discounting everything that they're doing. They are just trying to do everything to help people. And that's totally great. But if you devalue your services, you can also devalue the way that your clients see your business. And for example, if you're giving things away, you know, for free, people tend not to work on things that are free. And if you can work on developing your business and building the habits that you need, just like you need the habits in the weight room, you can begin to really make a business that can reach and help a lot more people.
0: Oh, that's actually makes a ton of sense. And you, we could sort of look at a different way in how most of the trainers who get a start in the industry start out in the commercial gyms. And that's a story that we've heard with Luka Hosovar is a really good example of that. You know, he spent time at LA Fitness after he'd come over from Slovenia. And anyone who wants to know that, just get into Luka stuff. It's a really cool story. So a lot of trainers are, you know, spending a lot of time for not necessarily a lot of money to, like, learn the business and learn these skills. If you're giving away that much of your money to these big corporations, I mean, you could certainly, starting out as you're learning, you could probably pay a business coach, it probably work to be kind of the same thing as you're growing and learn it more directly as you build your own business instead of building a business for someone else. And if you want to think about it in those terms, <clears throat> someone might see the value in hiring someone like like yourself. And it's Daniel Friedman, right? Who's your partner in this? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we hadn't said his name. We probably should throw him out there too. So.
2: Yeah. So um, in terms of kind of what you mentioned with, you know, with coaching in general, it's You know, I started, I I started on some of the commercial aspect as well in a more of a commercial gym and there's definitely some value, you know, value in there because you get to see a lot of people, you start to learn the business aspect of it, you know, but once you get to a certain point, as you mentioned, they take so much money off of what you're doing and pretty soon you're trapped. Um, I believe the term would be golden handcuffs. You probably got a pretty good thing going on, but you feel like if you leave, you're screwed. If you do anything else, you're screwed. You're working 60 hours a week and you can't really dial back because you're trading dollars for hours you know, cutting back to 40 means you're losing, you know, a good chunk of your income pretty quickly. Um, so I think it becomes a matter of, you know, making sure that you're a good trainer first and foremost, and then deciding what exactly you want to do and who you want to be able to focus on. And once you start to know who you want to help most in terms of your business, that's when it kind of circles back to our writing discussion before and imagine writing and trying to help that one person. And if you keep your focus on helping that one person in terms of your online business, you're going to go a lot further than trying to spread shot and be everywhere.
1: Well, and that's the one thing I like to point out, just because even we get questions at this point, and it's like they're seeing all these successful online coaches, and they think that that's where the holy grail is, that's where the money's at. But really, it comes down to we, we talked about the grind, but being good at your job first. And yes, like we talk about conferences, and we've talked about conference, the KC conference, and this and that, and those are great for networking. But if you're at a certain level. There's something to be said for going to things that will make you better. Go to seminars that are going to make you good at your craft. You can worry about all those big picture things after you have an actual business. Actually, you're, after you're an expert. Not to say you shouldn't do them, but there is something to be said for being good first.
0: Yeah. Actually, you mentioned that conference thing. And, you know, this is, we get a lot of questions about going to that because we mentioned a lot. Most of our guests have a lot of them. I met their Jay Ashman, Patrick Umfrey. You know, that's how I know you. I mean, you, me, Carter, good who's been on our podcast, and Robbie Farlow are sitting down in a hotel room having a scotch. Robbie's our next guest next week, and he's a good friend of yours. So a lot of these trainers are hearing this going, oh, you know, I got to go to this, and we're getting questions about it. But you're brand new to the industry. You have a ton to learn. This is something that'll be there for you when you're ready for it to benefit from the networking. There's nothing that you're going to learn from those presentations you can't pull from those people's Uh, Writings, uh, the stuff you can buy from their info products or YouTube videos and you're spending a lot of money to travel. This is, this is something bigger. So like brand new trainers shouldn't be thinking about this sort of thing.
1: Not that they shouldn't do it. Just, I mean, you're talking about even your business coaching. It's like, get good at your job. That helps.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, um, one way that we like to think about this is it's building your business is just like building muscle, right? If you do not have the foundational strength, foundational movement capacity and a caloric surplus, all the advanced methods, you know, occlusion training, um, focusing on meal timing, all these other factors do not matter. And in terms of, you know, taking, building a business is going to be good online. Like Pretty much people, I mean, occasionally someone's going to be very good online and they don't really have much experience, you know, in the gym because their personalities makes up for it and their ability to reach people. But unless you have developed that skill and know how to work with a bunch of different people and know how to go through a sales process and know how to really help and reach people, you're not going to be successful. It's like focusing on all, it's like focusing on occlusion training when you bench 75 pounds. It's like, it's not going to do <laughs> shit for you to build your arms. Like, no, like you have to get good at the basics and the foundation. And as many, as many coaches know that in terms of, well, a good number of coaches know that stuff when it comes to fitness, you know, the same philosophy really does apply to business. Make sure the foundational skills are there so you have that good bedrock. And uh, and once that's built up, you can reach a much higher peak in terms of what you're able to do in terms of building your business in the future. But, you know, don't put the cart before the horse yeah. and try to reach the top of the pyramid before you build the base.
1: Well, you show up to, like, let's just say you show up to this conference, you're a brand new trainer, you think you learned everything in school, and you're going to have a conversation Well, let's just say... Aaron Alagon, Alan, Aragon, Alan yeah. Aragon blah, blah, blah. but like, you're not ready for that conversation. And that's good that you want to learn and everything, but like, take your moment and like, be ready for it. And I mean, there's just something to be said for, like you said, foundational and even with training and business, jumping right into business when you know nothing about business. I mean, there's something you said for outliers, but like, there's probably a better process.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's crazy just how much the industry has changed in a pretty short period of time. You know, even when I got started with my online stuff, like I, something had just kind of happened. It was like, oh, yeah. well, you're going on a trip. How about I write your workouts for you? It wasn't something that I'd really planned out. I was just focused on trying to get my clients results in the gym, and then uh, this thing just kind of started happening, and and it kind of grew from there. Just kind of like it did for business. It's like you know, all the young trainers out there don't like leave now and just try to become a social media superstar and try to start a massive online business because you've worked out for eight years and have a college degree. Um, because frankly that, that, that's a huge missing, there's a huge missing component based on what you're doing. And, um, like I said, very few people can do it successfully and ethically. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of, ch- a little bit of time to, to mature into that role. And that's okay. Um, just get good in the gym and, and really focus on helping people and everything else will fall into place and, um, and take it from there.
1: Well, and you're mentioning like your place, like how do you, have, let's talk about you again. How have you balanced like writing, client coaching, business coaching, being a trainer? Like how, how, how have you come to kind of manage all that and be successful? And well, have quite
2: frankly, and have I life. don't think there and is. Have, and such- yeah. <laughs> Uh, quite frankly I don't think there is really such thing as balance if you want to achieve something that most people don't yeah. um, I believe like greatness is inherently unbalanced and you have to know that you're making sacrifices in other areas and you have to be ready and willing to make those sacrifices if that's something that you truly want and that's a pretty tough question that most people don't want to answer yeah. um, you know they just want it all and um, so first you, you've kind of got to recognize that but it's like you know you, you can't go out till three in the morning and stay at 7% body fat and do a show and eat pizza all the time and be natty bro. Like it's, it's not going to work, right? You can't make all those things. So for me, it's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of growth in the last year, year and a half and a lot of struggles. And and for me, it's been, you know, trying to find what are my highest leverage activities? Um, what are some of the things that I enjoy? And for me, some of the highest leverage activities are still creating content. I enjoy it. And then setting up some restrictions and limits in terms of what I'm able to do in terms of my um, in terms of the business. So, you know, built up more of a team, um, different things are being outsourced and, you know, putting myself in a position where, where I can help lead and continue to grow with our core message and still provide all the value that's that's needed in the different parts. So, you know that means you know I've had to dial back into writing a little bit, had to dial back in some of the fitness stuff to to make room for the business coaching. But um, you know it's 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 about trying to find what are your highest leverage activities, and then understand that there are going to be trade offs that you'll have to make. Um, you know you can strive for balance, but just understand that balance is likely not ever going to get there if you're trying to do something that's extraordinary, something to aim for, but it's probably not going to happen.
1: You can't have it all. <laughs> well, I mean you could, but you, like you said, you're probably still in the grind phase. Like you haven't oh, described yeah, anything where you're not you're like on a yacht, just having personal training clients go via online, drinking margaritas, and doing nothing but relaxing. Like you're still go- you're still going. Well, you look at the people
0: who are really successful in the fitness industry who are doing this sort of thing on the high end. Like you look at a guy like Pedro's Cooley, and and that guy everything is scheduled and regimented with him. And I don't think he ever stopped the grind. Yeah, I'm sure he takes time to sit on the yacht, but that that boy is a grinder, and and he's
2: got an incredible work ethic.
1: What Eric has a yacht. Oh. Hey, <laughs> yeah. you have a yacht
2: Bedros no no I don't uh, but no I mean you're spot on and um you know I have the flexibility to, to do some of those things you know now if I want but for the most part you know is am I working the four hour work week No. like I'm, you know, I'm still getting in and crushing that stuff day after day and, and trying to build these things up um but a lot of you know a lot of coaches getting get into the online industry thinking that they can you know do this and snap like a YouTube video every couple of days work for three hours and you know, make things pop off and go crazy. Like I said, very, very, very few people are able to do so. Most are going to have to continue to grind, continue to push. You know, I believe I heard this analogy originally from, uh, from Bedros Cooley and the numbers might be off, but, um, if the takeoff, if the takeoff speed for a plane is 150 miles an hour, what happens if you're at 149? nothing. And what that relates to is like, you know, People don't realize how hard you have to push, and they might say, oh, I'm working hard, I'm working hard, and it's not happening. Well, you probably still have to go a little bit harder. It's like the hard gainer who says, I'm eating a lot, I'm eating a lot. Well, you know what? A lot might be a lot, but a lot isn't enough. And, you know, that's very cut and dry, and it's blunt, but it's also the truth. Um, obviously, I'm always... You know, down to work as smart as possible but sometimes you just have to do more work Uh, regardless of the situation that you're in, you're in it and you've got to make it work one or the other whether it means you have to make some strategic changes or you have to push harder
1: and even, was it the productivity handbook?
2: Productivity project
1: one of the things was like, there's a difference between working 25 hours and 90 hours and generally 25 to 30 hours is a sweet spot but in terms of, he's like sometimes shit, you just need to fucking work more like there's the ideal but then if you have a bunch of clients that just popped up you're not just going to turn your back on them because it's ideal to work this ideal work week and it's a matter of when shit's when when well you need to do work sometimes you just need to grind
2: well Dean's just yeah like, sometimes you go. just got to do more work you know it's uh <laughs> it's just that simple yeah, it's it's not sexy but that's the results can be
0: if you're the type of personality who's going buying into this whole four hour work week bullshit and that, and that is a big crock of bullshit. It was uh, a different time when he did is, it. Is, uh, is, is just, if you are that kind of mindset, you're probably not going to go anywhere anyway. So you got to dispense with that and be willing to do some work. So we just referenced two different books there. Uh, so we always ask everybody, Eric, what's a great book that you'd recommend to everybody that's really had an impact on you? And seeing as you're running out of time, I'll lump it in with where can our listeners find you and follow you?
2: Yeah. So know, first off for the book, I would look at The Obstacle is Away by Ryan Holiday. Really anything by Ryan Holiday is gold. He is wise beyond his years. Um, The Obstacle is a great, The Obstacle is Away is a great book because, you know, we all face different obstacles, whether they are you know, true obstacles or they're manifested, um, you know, really with our thoughts and in our minds. And your ability to leverage that and use that pain or that discomfort to do something greater is, is what's going to help you achieve something new. Um, you know, for me, like that's, the discomfort of not feeling comfortable with who I was and getting physically humiliated helped me build my body, which led to my fitness business getting robbed of, uh, $50,000. Well, I had to reinvent what I was doing in terms of, in terms of my business and learn some, something completely brand new. And that just like paved its way into a fitness business consulting, uh, business as well. That's so you no know, leverage. Yeah, they're yeah, they're I fantastic. It. I just got done rereading *The uh, Eagle Is the Enemy* last night, so um, I reread those like once or twice a year because they, they really keep me grounded and, and focused on, on what needs to be uh, what needs to be completed. And in them. terms, yeah, and in terms of finding out more, well, wonderful. So you guys can find me at BachPerformance.com. dot um, I'm hitting the old Instagram pretty hard, as the three of us have talked about <laughs> in that at uh, Bach Performance. And then on the business end, we just launched our new website, Bach Business Coaching. There's a free gift for you to kind of give the overall view of the uh, the hybrid fitness model if you are interested in checking that out. So yeah, check out the websites, bachperformance.com or bachbusinesscoaching.com. Otherwise, I'm hitting the Instagram pretty hard. Um, i like to give some information in the morning, an occasional training video, and then some you know sarcasm, kind of calling some stuff out a little bit later in the day. A little bit, and, of, alcohol,
1: uh, a little bit of alcohol and coffee.
2: Yeah, talk a little (laughs) alcohol and coffee and talk, you know, some vegans and stuff like that. And, you know, let's have some fun.
0: Yeah, guys, I can't stress this enough. Like, follow Eric. Um, I have been following Eric now for a little while. I've caught your writing on T Nation. was probably the first place I noticed. And all of a sudden, one day, just out of nowhere, I get a Facebook friend request. And that was like, Eric Box adding me to Facebook? That's kind of cool. (laughs) So anyway, so I had you on there. And then, uh, like you mentioned, got to hang out and meet in Kansas City and then met a bunch of your friends who are really great people. And but like I said, your message is really clear. It's direct. It speaks to the end user. It's full of incredible information. You've got a very upbeat and positive attitude. So what you're putting out there is actually one of my favorite styles and you're one of my favorite people for putting out those messages. So for the people who've been following me specifically, guys, I want you guys to follow Eric. Okay, He's been fantastic and I just love soaking up what he's doing. So you'll get a lot out of that. And if you're one of Eric's people, you're finding this on his feed, and hopefully you guys have liked our podcast, well, maybe you'll check out one other episode in our library of stuff. Actually, hang around next week because we'll have his buddy, Robbie Farlow, who's going to be just absolute fire. And, it's like, uh,
1: follow us on Instagram. I need 10K for the swipe up feature. And Dean will sell his
0: soul at Guido Power One, is it? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Whatever. so for, uh, for the swipe up function, so... Uh, Eric thanks so much for joining us I really appreciate it uh, it's been great chatting and uh, I can't remember are you going to be in KC in, in May I think maybe you said you weren't
2: I have not decided yet I've got an absolutely insane uh, travel schedule up until that point so I might just say you know let's tack on one more why the hell not I'll have all the uh, all the airline me- miles that I could ever need um, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna see if I can swing it sure. um, I just gotta see maybe I'll bring, a, bring, my, bring my wife and that'll keep everything else good you know what I mean
1: <laughs> no then you'll be tame <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty no anyway. <laughs> All right.
2: Awesome,
0: Andrew Dean. Thank you guys very much. I appreciate the time. Oh, uh, thank you, my friend, and thanks everybody for tuning in.
1: Shut up and sit down.